Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Italy and Denmark are the first two teams through to the final eight of the Euros, but who will join them? We'll discuss all of that and much more in today's episode of the Gagnapod. So much to talk about. Let's get straight into it. Spinazzola. Chiesa's in again here. Chiesa! Breakthrough for Italy. Yeah, it was very different games this morning to start the knockout phase on Sunday, but a lot to talk about. Denmark, so impressive. Italy tested and they did get through. Michael Bridges, Jonah Luisi, Richard Bayless joining me, David Weiner, for this episode of The Gang and Pod. Jeez, we've missed it for a couple of days, but we're back in action. And boys, we have a fair bit to tuck into. Let's start with what we just witnessed. And first day of the knockout phase, Bridgie, and we're into extra time. Italy pushed by Austria. How good? Absolutely brilliant. Both games, Dave, sensational in the round of 16. And Italy being tested, I would say, to their maximum by a team in Austria who I thought it could have been a disaster for them. They showed spirit, they showed courage, and they came out early doors and really give it to Italy. But they found a way. The Azuri hung on, they test, they showed their steel. The changes that Mancini made were magnificent, and what, what a way to go through. We wanted to see Italy get tested. They did. They survived the test. What impressed you most about that or what concerned you most about that? Now, what impressed me most was the subs that came on. They made a big difference. And you need that in a tournament. When you want to go far into a tournament, deep like the Italians do, you need your whole squad to fire. And then the credit to Mancini because in the first three games, he gave them all a chance and an opportunity to play. And I thought that the ones that came in, especially Chiesa, made a massive difference. He, he stepped up, scored the goal, but he looked dangerous as soon as he came on. Um, and, you know, Spinazzola, again, he was outstanding. Mm. Probably the, the best player that the Italians had going forward. Um, but, yeah, these games here, you need to just get through. You know, it's like us against Italy, the round of 16, 2006 World Cup. They just got through that game and then they fired to the end of the tournament. Our dark horses, Rich Italy, they, they got oh, pushed all the way. We knew what we were doing. But it shows you that knockout football, I mean, everyone was talking about Italy being sort of the, the team that entertained, the team to watch through the tournament, but it is a different feeling once you get to this stage. It is, and there'll be that temptation, I'm sure, to just look forward, given that it's tournament football. They don't have long to prepare. They move on to either Belgium or Portugal on Saturday morning Australian time. But make no mistake, Italy were rocking in this one. In the second half at periods, they were absolutely on the back foot. Marco Anatovic scored for Austria. It was a millimetre offside, fair call in the end. But also there were other opportunities for Austria that weren't really there in the game in the first half. The fact that Italy didn't put one of those chances away and they kind of went through John phases where it felt like for five or ten minutes you were oh wow look at how well they build up look at their possession look at the passing you know midfield in particular Jorginho Verratti how good are they but then they disappear for periods as well so they'll need to be much better if they to go any further they definitely did disappear I think in the first half you have to say Austria started well the Italians got on top for about 15-20 minutes and then they fell away a little bit but in the second half the Austrians were by far the stronger team for the majority of it until Mancini made those changes and you saw what it meant to them 
and how hard it was for him, the way they celebrated. Mancini was celebrating like this was a massive win for us and a relief for him. So I know that it's 31 games record uh, that the Italians have broken after 80 odd Undefeated years. streak, yeah. Undefeated streak. So and then you, you, they went another 90 minutes without conceding a goal. So they're the positives. The negatives are they struggled to create a lot of chances against a well-organised Austrian so team. So what was it that Austria did that changed it? Because they were... Ordinary early in the tournament, have come good at the right time. Franco Foda uh, went from being sort of an outsider at Austria to being, you know, the creator of one of their greatest moments in terms of getting through to the knockout stage. What did they do that ruffled Italy and turned them, you know, from being so impressive into really having to stress and push for that result? I think all the talk, Dave, beforehand was we have got a game plan. We are going to take Italy two penalties. And they were coming out and saying we're going to, you know, they didn't want to concede. And you could tell the game plan. Um... After 15 minutes, it surprised me in the first 15 how they pressed Italy early doors. They had a very good opportunity, by the way, Austria, in the first minute of the game, where two of the players missed the ball inside the six-yard box. Could have completely changed the complex of the tie, but it didn't. After that, we talked about with John, Italy then just got their hold on it. But Austria were defending in numbers. It was absolutely fantastic. What I think they, where they struggled was that getting Insigne on the ball in that pocket because Insigne starts on the left and he comes inside and Austria blocked that lane mm. very well. So what you, if you see it on the, the goal, the Chiesa goal, Insigne goes out wide and just opens up that space for Spinazzola to come inside, receives the ball, able to turn, able to pick out Chiesa because they had to slide right across. So that, again, was just a little tweak that Mancini probably saw. We're struggling here. We need to do something different. Can I just say one man as well? And Anatovic had a big call before the game. He said, "These, you know, the Italians don't scare me defensively. He was well up for it. And you could tell the enthusiasm was spreading throughout the rest of the team. At full time when it was nil all and there's the team two team talks and you see Mancini doesn't look like he's sweating at all. There's no hair out of place. Everything's all good for the Italians. But Franco Foda, the manager, the coach for Austria, had those guys fired up yeah, and you're thinking, wow, they're going to come out, out of the blocks. At the end, it probably was just the difference in quality off the bench, wasn't it? Because Federico Chiesa, also Bellotti up top was fantastic. Uh, Pessina scoring two goals in a row. So for Austria, you can be as fired up, but at the end of the day, it just couldn't quite be enough to deal with the quality that Italy had. And that's the difference that Mancini has built up. And I read the other day, I think he's given over 30 debuts since he's been, debuts since he's been uh, in charge of Italy. Pound for pound, the 11s, Austria had nine Bundesliga players in their starting 11. The first 11 really went toe-to-toe with Italy, but when they needed to go to the bench, that's where the depth has been curated over the last couple of years and came on and flourished and impressed. And, John, a player that I know that you, I think we both were looking forward to before the tournament, Chiesa, bide his time. But he made he made a big difference when he came on. He did. He made a massive difference. He played in the last game against Wales. He started in the last game. And he showed glimpses there, what he can do. Um, and then when he came on today, you could just see the, f- the first couple of touches, he just shot in on goal. Then the, a few minutes later, he gets that chance and he puts it away. But another thing was Belotti. Uh, the Immobile struggled a little bit today. Immobile's uh, his biggest asset is his forward runs and his movement and then getting inside the box to get his chances. But when he had the ball at, uh, at his feet today and holding up the ball, he lost it most of the time. So then what happens is it's breaking down a lot. When Belotti came on, he was a presence. He it was stuck, didn't it? Yeah, it did stick. And yeah. then that, that allows then the Italians to, to go up and support him quickly and and those two there they made a massive difference and how tempting it was I mean Verratti is arguably Italy's it player coming into the tournament but Locatelli I think even the dynamic change when he came on obviously it's because they were tiring legs he came on he had cut and thrust he's dynamic but I think 
Mancini probably does have some good selection headaches to make going into the next game, whether it's Belgium or Portugal. I think, what did you make of Verratti's performance all round? Uh, Verratti was good without being outstanding. I, I think that uh, what Verratti gives you is that the most majority of the time he's going to keep the ball along with Jorginho and then maybe get that final pass in. But what he hasn't got that Locatelli has got and Pessina have is that they they late runs into the box and the goals that they can bring to the side in the box uh, in the in tight games. I think Verratti hasn't got that. Jorginho is more of a d- defensive midfielder, sitting midfielder. Well, it was Pessina's run that actually he made a dynamic run into the box and it was the, Alaba that actually the left back got sucked right into follow his run. The great space left, for Chiesa. Chiesa was yeah. free at the back post, Dave. So what John's saying there is absolutely spot on. They've got more legs, or not more legs in, in energy. I mean, the direct running ability to The runs to into the, the runs. box yeah. that are hard to pick up. Now, whether Mancini will go with that next game if he, he wants to win from the start because sometimes when you're tiring out teams, these players here, when they come on, can make an impact like they did today and Pessina got his goal. There's a lovely quote from Pessina at the end of the game, by the way, where he said, and don't remember, he, sco- he wasn't meant to be in the squad. Mm. He scored against Wales. He said, I'm still trying to take in my goal against Wales. Imagine how this one feels. I remember it for the rest of my career in this team. Everybody can score and that is our main strength. We are a great group. And I think, again, under duress, Rich, I think we saw, even when they were stressed, the first time they've been challenged in this tournament, everyone said, oh, let's see if this you know fancy, entertaining team can cope with a bit of pressure and you have to say they did and that team spirit probably did shine through particularly with this celebration you could see it uh, in as good a time as ever well the storyline was kind of developing over that second half you could see it. it it almost felt like oh this is going that way where the big dogs are knocked out the small team goes through like a like a slow motion it was kind of developing so for them to pull it back it felt like from the brink they never went behind Italy but they were always you know, just in and out of the game and at full time, you're thinking, you know, realistically, you know, how hard will it be for them? They're the big favourites coming into the game. Austria will be buoyed. But then, yeah, coming into extra time, it was pretty one-sided, wasn't it? For the first five or ten minutes, they put it out of the way. The only disappointment for them probably is that they actually allowed Austria back in again. They couldn't kill the That's game. True. Eleven games coming into this one without conceding. I don't know how many times on air Adriano Del Monte mentioned it. What, 24 hours without conceding? Yeah, we heard you, Adriano. <laughs> you've, you've said that before, but the I'm thing is... I'm surprised they, he didn't mention Italia 90, that they won 1-0 against Austria. We told him that that was in the uh, Optusport <laughs> bingo, so he's not saying it anymore. But then at the end, it wasn't just the goal that Kalajic scored um, to get one back, but there were a couple of nervy moments, the big guys up top for Austria... Italy didn't necessarily see it out, which goes back to what we were saying about them being sort of hot and cold throughout the same game, but they still move on. So now I'm jumping the gun and I'm thinking, look, what are, what are they going to do when they play against either Belgium or Portugal, especially Belgium with Lukaku up mm. top? They struggled a little bit today with Arnautovic. Lukaku is a lot stronger and quicker mm. than Arnautovic. So and fitter and leaner. Yeah, so it's going to be, I don't know about Lena. You, you saying that Arnautovic is... He looked heavy. No, did he? Too many Chinese meals. <laughs> I thought he was good. I actually thought he was good. I thought he caused them problems today. And a lot of the time he was alone and he was doing it. Mm, it's interesting that um, he looked like he was sort of auditioning a little bit. To, for a, There was a bit of talk he was wants to return back to Italy for club football afterwards, so he didn't do himself any disservice there. Spinazzola, star of the match. Star of one of the stars of the tournament so far, and it's an interesting trend I want to ask you guys about because he was a continuous outlet, he was key for the first goal. This is becoming a little bit of a, a tournament for fullbacks, isn't it? And Spinazzola is probably top of the class. What do you make of that? So it's funny because it's a tournament for fullbacks because a lot of teams are playing with wingbacks in a back three, so those wingbacks are able to get forward and they, they don't have to worry about defending. The Italians aren't. 
The Italians are playing with four at the back and Spinazzola is still able to get back and then get yeah, forward. He's their biggest outlet going forward and then he's still defending going back the way. He's showing some engines. I just hope that Mourinho doesn't take it out of him at Roma. He was so far forward. You can't imagine a Mourinho fullback getting forward, but he has been wonderful in this tournament. Yeah, well, just signing Granite Xhaka at Roma, you reckon that he's probably the Mourinho player? <laughs> Not so sure about Spinazzola, Bridget. I'm sure you've still got the scars from Mourinho. I'll be excited to see what he can and can't do with Spinazzola. He's upset many a player. He's upset many a left back. Luke Shaw finally got his way back into the England team after Mourinho left. So, yeah, watch his space. It's... Um, yeah, he can suck the life out of people, can't he? Don't go forward. Stay back, defend. Spinazzola. You would like this. He's the, uh, I think the stat, he's the quickest guy in the tournament so far. Top speed. Top, Top speed. speed. Do you hit. want the speed? Because yep. you know what I'm like. 33.8? Oh, John, love it. Yeah. John, what was Usain Bolt's top average speed when he um, set the world record? I'm pretty sure it was around 39.40. Oh. What was it? 38. Oh, close. Hmm. So what, is, what a useless stat. There you go. And, uh, it's just a running stat. You know what I'm like. But I want to see Spinazzola's stats in endurance. How many, you know, the, the, the kilometres he covered, man, it's ridiculous, John. You've mentioned it. He is just a, a huge asset, and Mancini used it to the maximum. It's impressive when you see that him and Insignia, they don't play together club level, but when they go into camp, it's like they do. You th- oh, do those, do those two guys play together? Because it seems like they've always just got the same idea in their heads. That's pretty... It, Obviously says a lot about the way they're managed. Yeah, I'm finding the fullback thing as well fascinating because you mentioned wingbacks, John, where a lot of teams have gone to the three and we've even seen it with Germany, we've seen it with the Dutch, we've seen it with others who England might do that as well in the next game as well against Germany um, to try to get their wingbacks bombing on. But what Spinazzola does is fullback and it's an, inter- an interesting tactic as well to try and get away from the flooded midfield and some of these deep-blown defences. I'm just finding that really interesting to watch how that translates into the knockout well, stages. And I know this is probably... I'm, I don't know if I'm allowed to uh, go into a segue because uh, you know you're the host of the show. But Mela for Denmark, he was outstanding. He was probably the star of the game as well for for Denmark wing back, and uh, he was involved in everything today. And what was so impressive about him, and we'll talk about that in a second, is he started at left, he went to the right, played in the four, played in the five. So it was really impressive stuff. Now, boys, we saw Dave Davudovic on our coverage again today. He's been out and about in Melbourne, and what a gig Dave has got, just going to all the communities for their games. And this morning, he was watching on Ligon Street, watching the Italians. Dave, how are you? Where are you? Have you escaped in one piece? How many drinks have you had? How many paninis have you had? Tell us about your morning. Look, I uh, I uh, topped up on the double espressos and the paninis uh, first thing. It was a fantastic uh, experience, a proper Italian experience. And uh, look, it was pretty low key. I'm not going to lie until, uh, you know, uh, extra time. But then it, uh, it, it kicked off. And uh, the fans were up and about, boys. Uh, Ligon Street was going off. And uh, yeah, they, uh, look, they expected to win, but uh, they probably didn't expect it to go into extra time. Dave, just backtrack a moment because in the pregame show when we threw to you and I said, you know, what are you doing? Where are you? And you said, well, here's the traditional Italian breakfast, the morning, here's the coffee and here's the toasted sandwich. I'm sitting next to John Aloisi, proud Italian-Australian. Isn't it a panini, John? Why is he calling it a well, toasted sandwich? He could sandwich? have said toasted panini. He could have said uh, piedina. He could have said anything. For focaccia, he had to say toasted sandwich. Amateur <laughs> yeah. toasted. You know why I said that? It's because I was on the show and that's the only word I understood because I didn't know anything of what you've just explained, John. <laughs> I had to localise it a bit, boys. Oh. And I'm sure you had a little bit of grappa in your coffee as well. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, look, it was going around, but there was a bit of uh, alcohol going around as well, but don't worry about that. It was a bit more civil than a week ago uh, when we went to the Scottish pub in St Kilda, but uh, look, by the end of it, mate, it was, uh, you were comparing apples with apples to the Italian fans were going off. Well, yeah, you're talking about, you know, you being a man of the people. You were chanting Italia as well as a proud uh, Croatian-Australian. I'm not so sure you'll be allowed uh, back at North Geelong or this week when, when Croatia play because you were proper into it. Uh, look, you know, you've uh, you, you've just got to adapt to your surroundings, don't you, Rich? But um, that was uh, – it was good fun. Um, <laughs> Have you got, got any better dad's moves left, camera. Dave? Have you got any better, dad's, any better dad's moves left? <laughs> Not really, no. <laughs> My repertoire's all gone. I'm just looking but, uh, forward to the end of the tournament when you guys at Optus <laughs> package all of his moves together. It's going to be sensational oh, it's, viewing. It's being compiled as we speak. Love it. By the way, Dave, we <laughs> talk about the up mood. What was the mood like when Arnautovic had the ball in the back of the net? Because we could see the view on our screens uh, while watching in the studio and it looked like the mood might have been a little bit different then. Yeah, there was a few Italian swear words in there, I'm not going to lie, but... Uh, you know, as soon as the VAR, um, the, 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 the VAR looked like it was going to VAR, the, uh, the VAR chance went up and uh, they were pretty happy. When they saw the replay, they thought they were a fair chance of it getting overturned. Um, yeah, but there was a, a really tense atmosphere. I mean, it was early in the morning, obviously, so um, it was a slowish start. But, uh, yeah, they were, they were really, really nervy. I mean, you know, they had such a, a fantastic group phase, uh, the Italians, and, and I dare say they expected it to be a little bit more comfortable than what it was, but um, they're absolutely buzzing with the other uh, two boys that come on, Chiesa and Pizzina. Um, You know, very youthful, sort of uh, really epitomising that uh, that Italian side. And um, yeah, no, they're uh, they're proper fans. Oh, yeah, it was actually a guest. Oh, by the way, there was a guest appearance from have a guest with Italian Australian footballer Marco Bresciano. Yeah, very good. No prizes for guessing. <laughs> yeah, he just ducked in with his little uh, baseball cap. Uh, he did sleep in a little bit, so came in sort of. I think it might have even been extra time, but uh, it was uh, it was good to see Brush there. He lives on Ligon Street. I think he's got a, his workplace is <laughs> around the corner, so he's always there. I think he owns half the cafes on there and, uh, and the offices. So yeah, he's a, he's a regular. Dave, great stuff as ever. Where's your next outing? Well, we're actually popping into uh, the Queen Victoria market today. Uh, there's a Portuguese... We're not uh, interested in <laughs> you going shopping. We, no, we mean on the coverage, Dave. Oh, righto. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I haven't even checked. I'm still rattled by today, boys. Just let me uh, get over this one. But, uh, yeah, no, we, we were going to do a little colour package on the uh, the Portuguese community. They've got a big festival here in Melbourne. So uh, they're struggling to get to, to watch the 5am game but because uh, they're all... All hands on deck for this uh, this big festival, this annual festival that they have. Um, yeah, I'll get back to you on the next live cross, boys. I might need a couple of days to recover. <laughs> good stuff, Dave. Have a good day. We'll chat to you soon. Good on you, boys. Forza Italia. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com 
host. We should probably say as well, Dave, by the way, there are lockdowns happening around Australia at the moment, particularly in Sydney. Everybody is locked down. In Melbourne, they have gone through that, not just over the past weeks, but over the past year or so. They've been affected more than most. But we're led to believe and we're assured that the event that Dave was at adhered to the regulations. I'm less sure, having seen the vision, but apparently it is. So, uh, yeah, hopefully everybody can be out and celebrating together soon. And hopefully, well, we know we, we are in Sydney and Sydney is in lockdown. Football can provide some good entertainment for everyone at home. We hope that you can watch every minute of every action of the Euros and every replay after that. And not, listen to the Gagan pod. Not can it. It does. It does. It does. Hey, gents, earlier in the day, um, it, the knockout stage got off in some style. Italy were pushed. They had it tough. Denmark were very, very impressive. Well, it's important to remember that whilst Dave Davutovic might have been the man of the match for the later hours or people waking up, up for the second game, before that, it was 100% Thomas Sorensen, wasn't it? Because in our studio, we had Thomas Sorensen, Carl Robinson, of course. Thomas has played over 100 games for Denmark. Robbo's played 50-odd for Wales. The tension in that studio, boys, was quite great. It got awkward, didn't it, Bridgie? Yeah. We, we were sitting outside just laughing at the two. And, uh, you know, when <laughs> when Thomas was celebrating the win and he just had a little look at Robbo, Robbo gave him nothing. He was not giving anything away. Now, I've, I've been winding Robbo up for the last two days. I've been texting Carl saying, Wales play like Stoke after Mancini's <laughs> comments. He didn't like that. I've been inspired by saying, come on, on the WhatsApp group. Come on, Denmark. Robbo hasn't liked it. So to see him and Tommy go face to face, it's just the best footage that you've got to watch on the Optusport in Instagram story. It's bloody brilliant. It was great. It was real. It wasn't real. It wasn't uh, anything cooked there. There was two guys who loved their country and were really getting behind it. Do you think there was genuine tension there, John? There was, wasn't there? Yeah, there was genuine tension. Was, it, it, Robert had to walk out at one stage. He, he didn't want to see the third goal. He walked out of the room. Well, when the second goal went in, he wasn't in the studio. He was out with us and he walked off. And I don't know if you heard him, John, but as he walked down the hallway past us, he was huffing and fushing, ruffing, ruffing, ruffing. Like, I did hear something <laughs> slam. I don't know what it was. Yeah. Whether it was a kitchen cupboard or the toilet door, something was getting banged up. Well, it was, a le- it was legit as well because clearly for, uh, and that's clearly not the phrase, John, but <laughs> for Wales, Dave, they were battered in this. Mm. This was a complete annihilation. 4-0, Denmark were far and away the better team. For all the tight encounters you expect to see in the knockout stage, this was anything And what's amazing about this for Denmark, as we bring it back to the football aspects, guys, is everyone has talked about the raw emotion that Denmark have been playing with, the... The team spirit, the camaraderie based over overcoming the trauma of seeing their teammate Christian Eriksen collapse on the first match day of the of the tournament. They put four goals in the back of the net in two consecutive games. No team has ever done that. And today, the unsung hero, the surprise hero was Kasper Dolberg, who no one expected. Even Thomas Sorensen before the game was wondering whether he would have the quality to step up in use of Paulson's place. They're into the quarterfinals now, and I think based off this performance, they are not to be underestimated because they show they have got every bit of football quality, Bridgie, to go with the camaraderie that they have got building and, and a galvanised squad. I was going to say, after seeing what happened with Christian Eriksen, it was either going to make or break this this nation. Thankfully, we saw, you know, we heard Ericsson was stable, he's, he's, he's healthy again, and I think they've just galvanised. The, it's just been incredible. But the football that they played today against Wales, the movement, the rotations, the way they dissected Wales, and it's no easy feat to do, and they've done it in two games. Mate. This is a team that ought to not to be messed with. And coming up against, it's either going to be the Netherlands... Or Czech Republic. Or Czech, or Czech Republic. Republic. I'll tell you what, they've... 
they've got a hell of a chance to go to go into the um, semis. Look, I watched Denmark closely before the tournament, and you could see they had a strong side. You're just going where the goal is going to come from because they haven't really got a natural goal scorer as a striker. And um, it was great to see Dolberg step up because he's really the one that can fill that void because Paulson's not really an out-and-out nine and neither is Braithwaite, um, but they got it right today. And, and look, they, they're playing really good football along with the momentum and, and the, the, the energy and, you know, the, the togetherness. They could go a long way in this tournament. It's amazing what confidence and momentum does because a lot of people have sort of laughed a bit at Braithwaite, um, you know, Martin, not Daryl. Daryl's great. <laughs> but also, you know, Paulson, long been kind of, you know, not a convincing striker. Dolberg, we saw him play for Ajax, didn't we, yep. John? And he was never really convincing there back in his own stadium. But after the last time out, now today, it looks like they couldn't make any mistakes. They'll keep on scoring, keep on scoring through confidence. They also made a couple of changes as well, personnel changes, which shows that, that it's very much a, a squad. They're all kind of got this really togetherness, this real positivity in there as well. Well, the quality off the bench was actually excellent. And that actually, at 2-0 when Wales were struggling and Denmark were comfortable, it took them to another level, actually. It Jensen, added a bit more zest yeah, to them. Jensen and Cornelius, they, they came in and made an impact. And then and already, and that's in the final third. So mm. that helps. And Damsgaard, 20 years old. Yeah. He's proven one to be s- one of their best players, one of the stars at the moment. Yeah. I, I know I've just, we've all got carried away. Thomas Sorensen has skipped out of the building, happy as you like. Denmark have won. I'm just going to put a little bit of a downer and a realistic view on the next match. I've said that I've, I feel they can do well. Kier went off with a bad hamstring yep. and they lost Delaney as well. So that's the big thing. How how much is that hamstring going to impact them? That is their leader who has shown unbelievable um, character character and um, captaincy in the situations they've been in. And Delaney, a midfield maestro. So watch this space. If they're, them two are out, it's going to be very hard to fill. They've got a good squad though because they've got Anderson that can come in at the back. Jensen, you mentioned, uh, John from Brentford yeah. came on. He was quality. He was excellent. You know, <laughs> Christensen I, I, pushed enough. on into the midfield at one stage. Yeah. So, you know, he can play in the midfield. Well, that was interesting too because the, the thing about this was Wales started well. Denmark had to gain control of the game. When they did, they, they went on. But they did move from a three at the back to a four at the back. They accommodated it. Ericsson stepped into midfield. And you mentioned before, uh, Merla, who was absolutely outstanding. He didn't get man of the match, but he would have been he, very he close. He was, was definitely mine. He was definitely the star of the match because the way everything came through him in the first goal, if you see that pass that he plays, Dumsgaard, it's actually incredible because he only had a not much of a gap to play that ball through, but he knew that ball was the one that could hurt them and it was, he just punched it in. So you broke lines and as soon as you break lines like that, it ends up shifting the opposition. And then, of course, his goal was it was sensational. He just he recognised the space, got into there and for a, a wing-back, full-back, whatever you want to call him, the composure that he showed in the box and his finish, it was a striker's finish. thought it was interesting in the post-match, the Gareth Bale interview afterwards. Of course, Gareth Bale's future has been a topic not only at international level but for club level as well Bridgie when he was at Spurs you know fair few rumours doing the rounds that he won't play for Wales again or this might be his last major tournament potentially and he actually got asked a question you know you said yesterday that you don't want to talk about your future and Bale actually walked off which is pretty dramatic and again it's on the Optus Sports socials if anyone wants to see it but then Denny Mills on the Euro Brecky Wrap later on uh, that morning or the morning said um, that it was childish that his focus isn't on football that he needs to grow up did you agree with Danny, what did you make of the Bale situation? I don't normally agree with Danny. I haven't played with him at Leeds United. I used to love winding him up and just disagreeing with everything he said because normally it was crap, but this was genuine. And I, I, I'm, I'm all for what Danny said. I thought that Gareth Bale, with the experience he has got, 
the situation he has been through, this is the last thing he needed. I know it's tough when emotions run high and you've been knocked out of a, a major tournament and you are thinking about your, your future, but he, he could have handled that so much better and, and, and just addressed the media. I think he was still frustrated, Rich, because he feels, I think it was 15 games he hadn't yeah. scored for his, in his international matches. That's on the back of his mind. He didn't want to go out in the way that he's done it. And I just thought, he, yeah, I thought it was very childish, immature, and I, I think he might even get a, a little sanction. For yeah, look, I agree in terms of, I don't think he reacted the right way. It, it is hard straight after a game um, to do an interview when the emotions are high. He's probably been getting asked this question time and time again, and he said, look, just leave me alone, just leave me alone, just leave me alone, or I'm not ready to make that decision here and now. That's probably all he needs to all say. all he had to say there, right? And, and so he comes across... Looking yeah, arrogant as hell, petulant. That's that's what it is. You, you, you don't do that, and and that just makes it worse for him because he's already got a pretty bad name at Real Madrid, and he's probably have to go. He has to go back there, and just just the builds, the pressure builds, and it, it doesn't need that. I was going to say, John, if that was my son, I would have grabbed him around the scruff of the neck or the ear and dragged him back in front of the camera. But I don't want to upset the likes of Mourinho to come out and say I wouldn't want to be his son. The way he treats like he had like Solskjaer got all that rubbish. So I don't know where that's gone. It's a bit tiring. <laughs> it's a, it, you, it's interesting, John. You're so right. <laughs> Literally, if he says, if he says, you know what, I've spoken, I've said all along, I'm not going to comment on that, and I'll I'll say it when I've got an announcement. There's no story. Yeah. All of a sudden, Gareth Bale is the Welsh angle out of this story, and it's not going to go away. It has club implications, and we'll keep talking about it. Unfortunately, I think the only person that'll be pleased with that is the manager, Page takes the pressure right off him. Lights are back on Gareth Bale, and I, I, I didn't like what he said, because I'm a big fan of his. Good tournament for Wales, though. It didn't work for them in the round of 16. They weren't really fancied to get there. They were never realistically going to back up what they did in 2016. For a, you know, a nation that size to do the exact same thing at this tournament that England will do and getting knocked out at the round of 16, it's commendable. Are you it t- is. Are you tired? Not really. Kind of a comment to that. What? Sorry, just truth bombs. We are going to smash the Germans. Watch this space. <laughs> Hold that thought till a couple of days' time. Just with Wales, look, I, I agree. I think that uh, the, the tournament on a whole was uh, was you know a success, but they'll be disappointed the way they went out because they absolutely got annihilated today. Yeah, they did. They completely outplayed. And by the way, one of the softest red cards you'll ever see right oh, at the end. Yeah, that was just. I don't know what the referee was thinking there either. It it it's, it wasn't. It's clearly not a red card. Yeah, Harry Wilson coming on, bit of frustration. But it wasn't enough for a red card. It's no. a yellow card. It was just a, it's a professional a foul. Professional foul, yes. Yeah. Anyway, we move on. I actually thought one last thing on that was I thought one player we haven't mentioned at all for Denmark throughout the tournament is, is Pierre Mil Hoiberg in midfield alongside Delaney. Excellent tournament, excellent player, stepping up when they needed a creative void field as well. So with players like that, they've got pedigree all through the side. So look out when that comes uh, the next phase. Who will they play? Who will they play? We do it all again tomorrow, which I believe is Monday. Am I right? It's tomorrow, Monday? Yes, Monday, Monday morning. Yeah, I think it is. 2 a.m., Netherlands against the Czech Republic. That is who Denmark will line up against. And then we find out who Italy play. Will it be Belgium or Portugal? Netherlands, Czech Republic first, guys. This is a tasty game because Netherlands have been fantastic. A bit like Italy, they haven't been truly tested. And the Czech Republic might be the ones to do that. I have been suitably impressed with both teams, but haven't seen the Czech Republic in the group stages. And playing against England and Scotland, I'm going to take them. I'm taking the Czech Republic to go through over the Netherlands in this game. Why? I just think they they've, they look solid. They're a, they're a big unit as well. We've talked about the, the endurance levels, the height, the stamina, the strength of this team. They're very good from set players. And when you've got a man in Schicht who can score goals and he's full of confidence, I'd, this is a team. And now 
I, I just like the dynamics of what I've been seeing. I've got to be honest. I think they'll cause the Netherlands trouble because the way they press, they do press well, and uh, and the, and the Dutch will try and play out. That's their game. They they'll try and play through the press, and if they can do that and get down the other side very quickly, they will hurt the Czechs. But I think that'll be their undoing, John. Yeah, well, that that could be their undoing because I think they actually the, the Czech side showed against Croatia, against uh, Scotland. They're a team that can actually press well and cause problems. Uh, Delict back in the side for the Dutch. They've immediately be, been better defensively. They've got a lot of confidence. Admittedly, they're going away from home in this one for the first time. I think they'll probably just about have enough. But I'm looking forward to finding out about how many fans of both teams ended up in Bucharest when this game's in Budapest. Because that, of course, happened the other day to the French. <laughs> and it that? was hilarious. What's that story? A heap of, a heap of fans, French fans, went to Bucharest because they clearly looked at the schedule and went, great, that's where we play our third game. But it was actually in Budapest. They got it mixed up. It's easy to get mixed up, Richie. That is sensational. <laughs> How far away is that out of curiosity? Uh, it's quite it's far. decent. <laughs> it's far enough. And it's actually in two different countries, Bridget. If you think <laughs> one's the capital of Romania, one's the capital of Hungary. If See, this podcast is just gone. an education lesson. If you think Pushkas is a legend of Romanian football, you don't deserve to be at the game. That's what I reckon. They got what they deserve. Denmark, in conclusion, against Netherlands or Czech Republic, they're going to fancy their chances against either of those opponents. Yeah, of course. Uh, Denmark playing the way they're playing. Does this feel like 92? For the ones that don't remember, 92, Denmark weren't even supposed to be at the Euros. They ended up packing their bags and they were on holiday. They are somewhere at the beach, somewhere skiing, whatever they were doing, and they ended up going there and winning the tournament. So this has got a bit of a feel that Denmark could go pretty I like, far. I like how you're basically just talking to Bridgie because Dave and I were too young <laughs> to remember it. <laughs> Richie? <laughs> the fossil remembers it very well. <laughs> if you're remembering the 84 one with Platini, you're doing well. Six years of six years of age, sitting with my father. We sent him, I like it, Bridget. We, we had to take the TV off my mother because she was trying to watch her soaps, and my dad was like, June, the Euros love, not a chance. This is for me and my son. Brilliant. <laughs> love, loved it. Belgium, Portugal, moving on. Belgium, Portugal, I can't split this one. Can either of you? No. I can't. I, you know what? Belgium still haven't impressed me. Uh, I would say... What do you mean? No, they haven't. As a team, they haven't impressed. I, I, I would say Lukaku, De Bruyne have impressed and a couple of players in that final third, will, 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 they'll end up creating something out of nothing. But as a team, they've moved the ball too slowly. There's still questions at the back. I, I'm not so too sure Portugal about Portugal impressed you? Portugal have impressed me a little bit more than them. I'll say that Belgium against the Denmark shouldn't have won that game. They Portugal were lucky to win that Portugal game. Portugal were good against Germany. Portugal, yeah, they were terrible against Germany. But in, in the game against France, they were dominant in that first half. Good against, I'm taking yeah. Belgium all day long. Do you know what? I don't, I'm changing my predictor. I'm taking <laughs> Belgium. I don't sell it very well. I don't know more about Belgium now than I did before the tournament. That's why I'm so uncertain about... And that's not their fault. That's the nature of the, the fixtures that they got. But they're now coming up straight away with a massive examination. Yeah, but they're a bit French-like in the way that they might be building into the tournament. Because, yeah, they had that pretty average first half against Denmark. But with so much quality, players coming off the bench, they didn't have Witzel starting or they didn't have De Bruyne or Azard. They're sort of going through the gears. It wouldn't surprise me if they lost either. But they're sort of in that same mould where you look at them and go, they're almost too good to be outclassed by anybody. The only thing that could be poor Portugal's downfall is that they can't play against this uh, system because they struggled against the Germans with this system. So 
The wing backs yeah. are very important because that's what killed them last game. Yeah. That's probably, though, cancelled out by the conditions in Seville, John, because it will be super hot. So the Iberian conditions might actually suit Portugal as well. Yep, you'd think so. And and plus the pitch, the Spanish didn't want to come out publicly and complain about it, but there were complaints about the pitch not being great to play your football, your style of football. And you, yeah, I think Belgium are going to have majority of the ball. But Fernando Santos also, they, they probably will. He actually rectified something between game two and game three. And I think he found a decent balance against France. Renato Santos coming in, Bruno Fernandes not being there. So that's why I say I can't split it. I'm just saying I, I agree with John. I'm not convinced about Belgium. can equally see them going on and you know, individual brilliance getting the result done. So we've come to no conclusions. We have no idea who's going to win tomorrow. That's why you have to tune in. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well sold. And it sets up a tantalising matchup with Italy either way. My goodness, from here on in, the matches are absolutely ridiculously massive. Gents, time for some sleep. Bridgie, John, Rich, thanks for hanging out this morning. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. Loved it. All good, guys out there. Thank you for listening as ever. Hope you enjoyed it. Stay safe if you are listening in Sydney and you're in lockdown. If you are not and you're listening elsewhere in Australia, please, I hope you're enjoying your Euros coverage and your football, however you're digesting it. And until the next episode of the Gang and Pod, as ever, enjoy your football. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.